We are in 3 Nephi chapter 4 today, and I just want to start. Um, I felt like what I should center around was when has a time, when has there been a time, has there been a time, excuse me, that you can recall that you have been so overwhelmingly grateful. And um, a time that came to mind is my son, my oldest son, had gotten his call, his mission call, to Philadelphia. And we had had a spiritual experience with that, knew that's where he was supposed to go, and he had left on his mission. And one night I got a phone call, and it was one of his best friends that had been his best friend's best friend when he was like in kindergarten and first grade and preschool. And then we had moved um, but as a young, as young boys, um, this little boy would come home from school with my son, and they just were so thick. His mom worked, and so he'd come home and be with us, and their family took our son with them. He was the youngest. They were just so close, and lo and behold, he called, and he said, um, Aaron, this is Tyler. And I said, hi, Tyler. And he said, hey, I just wanted to let you know I just got my mission call. And it had been six months since my son had been out. And I said, you did? And he goes, do you want to guess where I got called to? And I said, oh, I don't know where. And he said, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And literally, I knew what passing out joy was. I could not believe that this boy who was like another son to me until we moved, we loved him so much and their family loved my son so much. They just were the best of friends. I could not believe the goodness of God that he would call them to the same mission. And I knew that was not a coincidence. I knew that was God orchestrating things in my life, in my son's life, to let him know how much the Lord loved him. And that truly was passing out joy for me. It was incredible. All right, so as we start in chapter 4, so I want you to think of that in the back of your head. When has been a time that you have been overwhelmingly grateful and aware of God's goodness to you and how much he loves you? Okay, so we start in chapter 4. And the robbers began to come down and take possessions of lands and things um, from the Nephites. <clears throat> and you know in the last chapter <clears throat> that their um, chief judge and Gidgadoni, who is the prophet, has told them that they should gather and that they should really trust in the Lord and that they should pray. And so here we are. They've gathered and they've taken everything and it tells us they've left their lands desolate, okay? So nothing left behind. And they go and they gather. And it tells us in verse 1 that the Lamanites come and they start to take possession of the lands. But really, what good is that? There's nothing left. They've been left desolate. There's nothing there for them. And so really the only place that it tells us they could exist in verse 3 is in the wilderness because of the want of food. That's all they can do. And in verse 4, it tells us their only way and chance of survival was to plunder, which is still 
to obtain food or come up in open battle against the Nephites. That's the only thing that they could do. And it tells us that, um, let's see, they had reserved for themselves provisions and horses. This is the Nephites and Lamanites who had joined together against the robbers, cattle and flocks of every kind that they might subsist. And their plan was seven years, in which time they did hope to destroy the robbers from off the face of the land. And the thing that I like in this is seven is one of those numbers, again, that we study in scriptures. We know the world was created in seven days in the Lord's time. And we know, um, I'm trying to think of other references that we have to seven, and I'm drawing a blank. But what it means is perfection. It means complete. And so um, there they have seven years. And what that means, it'll be a perfection and complete cycle to destroy the robbers from out of their land. Okay. So it tells us that the robbers could not farm. They couldn't do work to raise their own food because they knew that the Nephites could come out and attack them. So they durst not. But also, they. this is so much like when the Lamanites were cursed. This is so much like the curse. When you separate yourself from God, you become lazy and you plunder and you rob and you steal to be able to live. They just become fierce people who don't work. That's the opposite. They don't work and take care of themselves. And so that's really where these Gadianton robbers are. So it's not like they would have would have gardened or would have done things to take care of themselves. They really wouldn't have. But um, that's another reason why they couldn't, is the Nephites would have come out. So in verse 7, it tells us they get ready for this battle. And it tells us they dye themselves in blood and they shave their heads. And the reason this is important is we know such a tool of Satan is fear. And so they want to be so intimidating and they want to invoke fear because that is a tool of Satan. And I love this in verse 8. It says, And it came to pass, the army of the Nephites, when they saw the appearance of the army of Gadianhi, they fell to the earth and did lift their cries to the Lord their God that he would spare them. And then in verse 9, And it came to pass, when the army of Gadianhi saw this, they began to shout with a loud voice for joy. For they supposed the Nephites had fallen with fear. And I love this because their goal is that they're intimidated and that they're fearful. But here's the awesome thing in verse 10. But in this thing, they were disappointed. For the Nephites did not fear them. But they did fear their God and supplicate him for protection. And what that means is reverence and respect and call on him because if they they know if they are obedient he will prosper them they have such faith in god and such respect for him and that is the fear of the lord and i love that in verse 11 and the battle commenced in this sixth month and great and terrible was the battle thereof yea great and terrible was the slaughter and that is an important word insomuch there never was known so great a slaughter among the people of lehi that is saying something. It has been 600 years. We have read of many battles. We have read of Captain Moroni. We have read of the Anti-Nephi-Lehi's. We have read of so many battles with the Lamanites. And this is the worst. And that just is breathtaking to think about how horrible and awful it is. And it really tells you the righteous suffer right along with the wicked. But when we are fighting for liberty, 
our lands, our wives, and our children, and our God. It is worth everything, and we have God's backing. Okay, so it tells us in 12, the Nephites are victorious. They push them back out. It tells us in 13, not only do they push them out, but they pursue them because they know they have to drive them out of their borders, not just their borders, their wildernesses. Remember that, and I love that. Get them out. Fulfill God's command and wipe out evil. And so I love this. And it says they should not spare any who should fall into their hands. They can't. It is a wickedness. It is a cancer. They've got to root it out. And in 14, we find out their leader, Gadianhi, dies. In 15, um, the battle is so bad, it tells us for two years they dared not come. Even though they need the supplies, they need the food, they're living off the wilderness, and they are going to get in really dire straits. It was such a bad battle that the Gadian robbers do not come for two years. And the cool thing is that the Nephites and the Lamanites do not leave. It hasn't been seven years. That cycle is not complete. They have not rooted out and gotten rid of the Gadianton robbers. So even though they are left alone for two years, these people continue to do what the prophet has counseled and what they have covenanted to do to wipe them out. And I love that. Okay, in 16, it tells us that the, the Gadianton robbers come and cut them off. They think they're going to cut them off. They surround the city. Okay, now that is just comical to me. I The reason I'm reading this is this just makes me laugh, that they surround the city thinking somehow this is going to lead to the Nephites and Lamanites surrendering. They have everything they need in the city. So why in the world would they think this would work? And finally, they realize it doesn't. It does nothing. And then it tells us in 18, it's actually an advantage to the Nephites because in 21, we find out that they would come out, come out of their city and cut off the robbers. And they were able to get them in little groups because these groups that cut them off, they would come out and they would get them. Okay, um, in 19, it tells us that they were in need of subsistence, which we already know, the Gadianton robbers. In 20, it becomes so scarce, the wild game in the wildernesses, that they begin to perish for want of food. They're starving. And then again in 21, that's what we referenced. They cut them off by thousands and tens of thousands, and they're able to capture them. Okay, well, finally, we get to a place where they realize they're going to have to have this battle again. And it tells us, um, let's see, 23, Zemnariah to give a command to his people that they should withdraw themselves from the siege and march to the furthermost part of the land northward. So they kept coming to do this fight, and he tells them that they've got to withdraw. They just have no advantage. Okay, and in 24, Gidgadoni, being aware of their design and knowing of their weakness and their want for food and the great slaughter which had been made among them, therefore he did send out his armies in the nighttime and cut off their retreat. And he does this so that they can wipe them out and finish this off. And then it tells us in 25 at night, he does it so that they're not aware. And then in 27, thousands do yield themselves up prisoners. And if they don't yield themselves up, they're slain. And then in 28, Zemnariah is taken their leader and he is hanged on a tree. And then it tells us they did fell the tree. And that's really important. In Deuteronomy 21, 22 through 23, it says, 
any sin worthy of death, hang him on a tree, that the land not be defiled. Isn't that interesting? And that's just one example where the Bible works in correlation with the Book of Mormon. They work together. And then in Galatians 3.13, it says, Cursed is everyone that is hanged on a tree. And so it's cool that we have those scriptures and can use them together to show the reason that's there is that it tells us in 29, may the Lord preserve his people in righteousness and in holiness of heart, and they may cause to be felled to the earth all who seek to slay them because of power and secret combinations. And those truths are also in the Bible. So I love that that's there. Okay, and then it tells us that the people did rejoice and cry with one voice, saying, May the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob protect this people in righteousness so long as they call on his name for protection. And there's their oath with him. And then in 31, it tells us they did praise the Lord their God for the great things he had done for them and preserving them from their enemies. So they're not concentrating on the hundreds that have been killed or thousands. If this is the greatest battle in 600 years, let's be honest, it's thousands and thousands and thousands, okay? But they praise their God. And then it tells us in 32, Hosanna to the Most High. And they did cry, Blessed be the name of the Lord God Almighty, the Most High God. And I love this in 33, and their hearts were swollen with joy to the gushing out of many tears because of the great goodness of God in delivering them out of the hands of their enemies. And they knew it was because of their repentance and humility that they had been delivered. They knew it was God. They knew it was honoring their oath and their covenant with God that if they would follow him and be obedient, that he would preserve them. They knew absolutely it was repenting as if your life depends on it. And they did. And humility. They had no doubt it was God who delivered them. They, it was so overwhelming. And so the discussion I would have with my family and my students is when is a time that you have been that grateful, that you have been that aware of God in your life and what he has done for you. I hope you know the church is true. And more than that, I hope you know how much our Savior loves you.